Warning! This episode contains foul language, descriptions of murder, and too many struggles with pronunciation. podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with one of our friends and we chat about something weird. And this week is part two of Maine Madness. Last week, Kate shared a ton of Maine haunting stories with us, as well as personal stories from herself and her family members. And we talked about the king, Mr. Stephen King. This week, Lauren will be telling us about some of Maine's most gruesome murders, and I'm going to be sharing with you some of Maine's creepiest creatures, strangest places, craziest curses, and a sweet little tale about a seal. So without further ado, slap on your lobster bibs and heat up some butter, because we're going back to the harbor. Enjoy the episode, weirdos. We will not have a new episode next week because I'm going to be taking a little break. I have one of my best friends in the entire world visiting me from Illinois for seven days. So stay tuned. Our next episode is going to be on the 14th and you're going to get to meet her. Her name is Natalie. You'll love her so much. And we'll see you in two weeks. In the meantime, remember to keep it weird. Okay, so we're talking about murder. Yes. Always. I feel like anytime Ashley's like, what do you want to cover? I'm like, ah, let's talk about murder. I have a dark soul. Anytime we have hometown (laughs) haunts, I'll text her and I'll be like, so our guest, our guest almost always wants to do haunted stuff. Paranormal, yeah. Well, and I feel like probably because we, me, they have more of those interpersonal stories as opposed to like, I have a lot of stories about murder (laughs) and creatures. (laughs) Right. Every time I'm like, so do you want to do true crime or monsters? And she's like, well, I feel like I don't have to answer that question. And you can just assume that I want to do You already know the answer. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to talk about murder while I (laughs) put a pacifier in my child's mouth. (laughs) So Maine doesn't have serial killers, I discovered. It's a lot of like one-off crimes of passion, but then... It is one of the safest places to live. Uh, Yeah. And it makes so much sense because every... Your door is unlocked for sure. Right. It seems like that Unless you live in Maine right now, then uh, lock your doors, please. Yeah. (laughs) If you're listening to this, please (laughs) lock your doors. (laughs) But I was able to dig a little deeper and I found a couple people that murdered more than once, but it was... Usually, if they did kill more than one person, it was like in the same day. Right. And those were the mass murders. Oh. So I found the top two. These are the people who killed the most humans in Maine. And it's not many people. So I'm like, it is pretty safe, even though these men are insane. So we're going to start with number one. It feels weird saying the number one killer. (laughs) Shouldn't be celebrated by any means. His name is Christian Charles Nielsen. 
I don't know. None of these names also were famous to me either. I feel like Maine doesn't have any notorious killers either. They're a little more under the radar, which made this fun because I like finding new stories. Um, So this murder happened over Labor Day weekend in 2006. So not too, too long ago. No. Charles Christian Charles Nielsen was a line cook at the Sudbury Inn in Bethel, Maine. Okay. I'm going to be looking at you every time I name a place. He, <laughs> Can confirm that is a city. In <laughs> but he was staying at a bed and breakfast just a few miles away called the Black Bear Inn. Um, he was staying there, but then working in Bethel at the Sudbury Inn. So a man of many inns. <laughs> he was a quiet man that kept to himself, according to the owner of the Sudbury, where he worked, and no one would have suspected what he was capable of. It's a big dot, dot, dot right there. So let's meet some <laughs> other people from the inn uh, that he was staying at, not the one he was working at. So Julie and Selby Bullard, Julie is the mother of Selby, they had moved to Maine from the San Francisco Bay Area three years prior to 2006 so 2003 i'll do the math for you everybody (laughs) selby bullard's husband had been killed in a car accident and the family was looking for a fresh start julie bullard had run an inn in california and so she was able she had the experience and was able to come over and purchase the black bear inn and run it over here in maine so Selby Bullard also had a 12-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son. She ran an eyeglass shop. She did nails and occasionally waited tables just trying to get by and provide for her children. Um, She had recently also received her real estate license and was working alongside her friend Cynthia Beetson at Apple Tree Realty in Bethel. So all of these people are important. Then there was also a man named James Whitehurst, age 50, from Arkansas. He had been staying at the Black Bear Inn for about a month for, quote-unquote, personal business. That no one was really sure why, but he'd been living there. Sex with prostitutes. Probably some sex with some ladies. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to guess that's what it was. When you say personal business, I just feel like when the, I'm here for personal business. Right. That means like I'm here. Drug dealing or. Drug dealing. Might be having an affair. Yeah. Having an affair. Yeah. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. I know. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you, Wilder. This is the 2000s? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So everyone was just living their lives at this popular resort area in Maine. Then the horrors began on Friday evening of Labor Day weekend. Christian Nielsen, he was age 31, seemingly innocent, brutally murdered the 50-year-old man, James Whitehurst, and dumped his body in the woods nearby. No one heard his cries for help or realized that anything had happened. Nielsen just went to his cook job in Bethel the next day like everything was normal, and this man was just dead in the woods. So that's the start. Then Sunday evening, he decided to kill Julie Bullard, the innkeeper, the mother, for no apparent reason as well. He was about to be finished when her daughter Selby and friend Cynthia, the other real estate lady, arrived unexpectedly. In a panic, he killed them too. (gasps) He murdered all three women and dismembered their bodies, and he brought their remains to the back of the inn. And again, he just went to his shift that Sunday night as if nothing had happened. Ew. Clearly not sure what to do next after these kills. Come Monday, he called his parents, who lived nearby in Bryant Pond. Yep, that's a real place. (laughs) He didn't tell them why, but he said he needed them to come to the Black Bear Inn right away. I'm like, "Uh, confirm, place. (laughs) His mother said she was horrified when she arrived and found a trail of blood leading to the back of the inn, and this is where she discovered the bodies. She immediately called the police, like, not even a discussion trying to protect her son. She was horrified. She called the police. And her son surprisingly didn't put up a fight. He sort of didn't know what he was doing here. These were his first kills. He 
called his parents because he didn't know what to do. And when the police arrived, he was just sort of like, yep, this is right. You can arrest me. Like yeah, he had no plan in place. Didn't even want to cover his tracks. Um, police searched the area and said it was one of the most horrifying scenes this area of Maine had ever seen. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was yeah, like I a sleepy that. little like resort area. They yeah. said, especially around Labor Day, people just came to look at the leaves. Well, go out no, on Labor the water. Day is huge in, uh, in Maine for sure. Because you get everybody right. from New England that all come up to Maine as like the last hurrah and yeah. like all of the summer businesses, it's their closing weekend. And right. so everything shuts down after Labor Day. Actually, most years, I want to say since I was in high school i have usually gone back east for labor day specifically i feel like it would be so much fun it's really fun my like family a, does a really weird we have like a weird weird labor day tradition what is it what is um, it share it <laughs> so we do uh, so we take our clothes off we go in the backyard we, go we no, set a we huge fire <laughs> <laughs> um and we burn people that burned witches no um <laughs> we <laughs> we uh we do an annual chip boat regatta So a regatta is a sailboat race right? or boat race. And chip boats are boats that are the size of a dollar bill. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody in my extended family on my dad's side, um, we make these tiny chip boats and sail them every Labor Day. And the winner, you do heats. So it's usually like six boats, eight boats per heat. And then the winners of all those heats compete in the final race and then whoever wins the race wins a cup of M&M's. <laughs> hey, that's a glorious prize. And there's like a big cookout. You know, we do like a huge lobster cookout on yes. the water and it's this whole thing. It's really fun. It's like one of the coolest weird family traditions that I have. That sounds so yeah, fun. It's really fun. I love But that. I was probably in Maine I was on that say, Labor Day. Sorry. 2006? Yeah, yeah, 2006. Yeah, for sure Z's. And it says it's a resort town. Like it said like a sun, the Sunday ski resort is nearby or something. I don't know if you've heard of that. Apparently uh-uh. it's very wildly popular. Yeah. No, Bethel is for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so everyone was just kind of like, hey, we normally have a pretty quiet town. Mm-hmm. This rocked yeah. us. It's like final hurrah Labor yeah. Day. Yeah. And everyone's just trying to have a nice vacation so did he ever say why he did it he didn't that's the weirdest thing so nielsen was charged on four counts of murder and is currently serving a life sentence no motive is officially known but he had mentioned in some of his interviews to detectives that he did have a strange obsession with murder as a child he never thought he would carry anything out but he just i mean he's like us he enjoyed true crime he enjoyed the stories and it also seemed upon i know and apparently just couldn't hold it back when he turned 31 but like didn't have a crazy childhood parents for all we know i mean maybe nothing just was ever discovered but seems like the parents are completely normal they were equally as horrified that this happened doesn't seem like there was abuse or neglect his boss over at the sudbury inn where he was the line cook said he was so quiet seemed completely normal his parents never said they saw anything was up so it seems that this came totally out of left field other than he said I did have a strange obsession with murder as a child. And he also seemed to have a strange infatuation with the Black Bear Inn. Like when he got this job at the Sudbury Inn, it was like, this is where I have to live. I have to live at this specific bed and breakfast. So they wondered maybe if he wanted to off the innkeeper because he wanted to take over in some way. Was that some sort of fantasy to get her out of the way? And he just happened to kill her daughter and the friend because they walked in. But it's like, what was the deal with that 50-year-old guy? Why'd you murder him? 
it almost seems like the fifth if if that is the first time he killed somebody it almost seems like he fantasized about it and then maybe did it maybe it was hard for him or maybe it wasn't maybe he lost control maybe he did it but then that opened the floodgates like then it was like oh i am capable of this oh i do like the way it makes me feel right I can do this. I'm going to kill somebody else. Yeah. And then, then it just kind of. And then after, you know, killing three people and dismembering mm-hmm. the bodies and then like the mess, then it must have hit him like, oh, there's no way I can get away with this. Yeah. Mom. Mom, I need your yeah. help. Yeah. I, I just kind help. of in a panic was like, yeah. I need my parents to come. Weird. So he's serving out his life sentence, but it's just weird that there's kind of no motive like that is even more disturbing. Just wanted to kill somebody. And that he was such a quietly disturbed man that everyone's like, no, he just kind of kept to himself, seemed fine. Like, but that's I the, hate that. I hate that too. I feel like, <laughs> like that's I know too many the, people like that. Why are you quiet and pleasant? I don't know. No. Yeah. What's, What's up working? with you? <laughs> yeah. What's under I w- there? I wish you were more obnoxious. <laughs> no, you need more of a personality. <laughs> so that's Christian Charles Nielsen. So he holds the record for four people but again it was like in that one weekend then we move on to this awful nugget named Thane Ormsby so that's not a name right that's not real nope (laughs) so this 22 year old man lived in Orient Maine Probably, oh. probably true. I was like, can't, can't we confirm. Find, can't confirm. <laughs> we found a mystery name. I do. I do remember uh, going to pick up my dog when I was a, l- a little kid and seeing a sign. They have a sign somewhere in Maine that points to all of the towns in Maine that are like China and weird, you know, other countries. Basically, yeah, okay. yeah. It's like yeah. Paris, but they're Tokyo. All, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I saw that. So sign. probably Orient Maine. I know. I'm like <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. No, I've never never heard of Orient Maine. Well, that's where he lived. Cool. And he lived. <laughs> cool man. He lived with a family called the Strouts, and I tried to find the reason why he went to live with this family for sure. Every website, every article I read just kind of said he was living with this family when he was 22. Hmm. But I did find one website that said he had issues with his mother and moved out as a teenager. So I think he maybe was bouncing around in the foster system, possibly. Mm. That's kind of what I'm gathering. It does sound like he had a pretty rough childhood, which at least in this scenario, we can say, okay, I sort of okay, see why you became a crazy person for murder. Seemed yeah. like there was some abuse neglect going <laughs> on there. So he's living with this family named the Strouts um, in 2010, at the age of 22. And the Strouts had told Ormsby about a family that lived nearby called the Ryans. There was apparently a lot of bad blood between these families. They were sort of telling him, like, don't get involved with these people. They're bad. They're bad news. Um, apparently, Jeffrey Ryan... Age 55 had a relationship with the Strout's daughter at one point and had gotten her pregnant. What? I don't think was a very, I don't know how old she was. She may have been of age, but still was a lot younger than him. And so they weren't happy about this. And I don't think he was a very present father with the pregnancy. So they were like, we hate this dude. We hate that whole family. And they also said he was a drug dealer, although there was never any evidence found to support that he did deal drugs. But this is what they told Thane Ormsby. They were just filling his head with like, this guy's bad. This family's bad. Their darkness. I mean, that sounds like a small town anywhere. Yes. What time period is this? 2010. 
recent. Oh, Everything's recent. recent. Yeah. I do it's have like one really that recent. is not recent by oh. any means, but these <laughs> two are. <laughs> I'm about to bring you back to the 1800s in a sec. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to do these two recent ones. A, because I'm like, whoa, this wasn't that long ago. B, yeah. because they're both young men, which creeped me out even more. And C, because they hold the title for most murders. So just, they really caught my eye. They're really doing it for us. They, they just what's really... Happening. I know. And I hate the way that I talk about murders. because I feel like number, I always am like, it's the best story murderer. ever. <laughs> and it's not the best. It's horrifying. So for whatever reason, Ormsby's hearing these stories and it just really stuck a court, struck a chord in him. He became enraged immediately and was like, oh, this Jeffrey Ryan dude has to die. He got this in his head. So one day he went to Amity, Maine. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I assume. We've Isn't heard that where that. Jaws takes place? Is it? I think it's supposed to be Amity Island. Amity Island. Amity right? Island. Yeah. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. Yeah. So Amity, Maine, I'm guessing, is yeah. it's all the same. Um, it was just about a mile away from Orient. Um, he went and broke into the Ryan's home where he charged Jeffrey Ryan. He had somehow gotten word that Jeffrey was home because it's a small town. I'm sure he was, it was pretty easy. Charged him and stabbed him to death with oh. a knife. Um, he was in such a rage and charging Jeffrey that he didn't initially even notice that anyone else was home. But after he finished Jeffrey Ryan off, he turned around to see that Jeffrey's friend Jason DeHaan was also in the room and Ryan's 10-year-old son, Jesse, was also sitting in the room. They both immediately try to run and escape. Unfortunately, they didn't make it either. Um, Jason DeHaan, the friend, was chased out to the front lawn. He almost made it, but was stopped like right before the property line and was stabbed to death. And then Ormsby turned, ran back into the house and found 10-year-old Jesse cowering in his bedroom trying to hide. And he also brutally murdered this innocent little boy just to completely cover his tracks and have no witnesses. I know. I'm sorry. It's so sad. And then he also finished it off with stealing Ryan, Jeffrey Ryan's truck and put what he thought was all of the evidence he could possibly collect from the house, threw it in the truck, drove a few miles away and lit it on fire. You wish bodies? It does. It sounds like the bodies were left behind, but he was trying to take like like anything that was that could have had his blood on it. Him. He thought mm-hmm. he was covering his tracks yeah, somehow, well, but it's like mm. watch one episode of CSI and, and then try know. that shit. <laughs> then try that shit, Ormsby. So it wasn't (laughs) It wasn't until about 27 hours later that Ryan's ex-wife came to pick up their shared son, Jesse, and she found the horror show inside. Police were called immediately, and with the mess left behind um, that Ormsby did not cover at all, they were able to track him down pretty easily and arrest him within days. So apparently his lighting evidence on fire did not work one bit. He was quickly charged with three counts of murder and arson for the truck. He tried to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. And during the trial, a psychologist did come in and say, Ormsby has been subject to some abuse and neglect. He is not in well with his family. He's been mistreated. He's bounced from house to house. I don't think he's fully recovered from this. But by the end, uh, the judge with the last name Hunter, Judge Hunter did find him guilty and said this young man has to be held accountable there was too much brutality in these murders. Like he's old that, enough to know better. He's old enough to know better. This innocent ten-year-old child did not need to yeah. die. Like yeah. you came in with the intent to murder this one man, but you expanded your evilness throughout. And this, you have to be put away. So 
He was charged for all three murders and the arson. He is serving life in prison without parole. Thank goodness. And Ormsby is in second place for the number of murders in Maine with three. Sorry, and buddy. very sad. You got the silver. You got the silver, bud. And you're pure evil. I just can't believe, like, you think of age 31 and age 22 were both of these men, and they have the most brutal murders in Maine. That just, yeah. those are people we know, people yeah. close to oh, our yeah. age. Like, that's... Yeah. That just makes me so sick. Well, 22 to me even now is like a baby. It's such yeah. a baby. I work with a guy who's 24 and I'm like, you're, you're a child. You're, you're a literal child. child. Yeah. Like, like insane. a song came on our like Spotify the other day and he was like high school. And I was like, that was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what? It was like that shot where like in Jaws where it's like a zoom on the person, but the person isn't actually zooming. They're the background, with the scene, yeah, right, the, is the moving. scenery I know, it's is just moving. Like expanding it's like weirdly, like yeah. wah 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 wah. Yeah, like uh, that's what happened to me. We yeah. had an eighteen-year-old on set who didn't know who um, oh. Evanescence was. Oh no! Like Evanescence oh, came no. on the radio. Feel bad about myself. <laughs> and everybody, all of these like old-timey grips and stuff were like, "Oh, this!" And he was like, "I've never heard this song before." Who's Evanescence? I and we were like, "Excuse me, wake me up." Yep, yep, that one. Yeah, that's the that's them. It's the song we all know and love, <laughs> or love Thank and hate. You so you much know? for that rendition. Yeah. <laughs> wake me. One time I sang that song at karaoke and did both parts. Yeah. No, no one would come up and sing with me. But you can sort of successfully I do would, both parts I if you really I would try. I'd rather see you do that. Thank both you. Of those I parts. think I did that a really wonderful amazing. job. You have to come see it at the next karaoke session. Okay. Let's get back to some murder. <laughs> so, those were the longer ones I wanted to jump into. And then I sort of had these are more little snippets of some honorable mention i always say the honorable <laughs> mentions which again is a terrible the term dishonorable mentions we'll yeah i had a that. couple of those on the children's episode too and they were so heinous so james purrington which sounds like the name of someone's cat yes yeah. so i'm a mat it makes it lighter yeah. i'm able to process it in my head when i imagine a cat murder. a cat with like a monocle yes <laughs> Mr. James, James Perrington <laughs> with his monocle. He's like walking around with a little cane. A little yeah. cane, a monocle. Sleeps James on a, sleeps on a fluffy silk pillow. Yeah. And sometimes I know that commits murder. <laughs> and also kills. So James Perrington, this is July. I can't even say it anymore. It, it is a cat. This happened in July 1806. So as I promised, nice. we're taking you back. So in this time, there was so little known about mental health issues that there were warning signs about this man, but they were completely ignored because it was 1806. Right. But apparently he was, he had really bad anger issues. He was so brutal to anyone that set him off in any way, mistreated his family constantly, talked to himself when he was out in the yard, was a very disturbed man, but everyone was just like, oh, James. Oh, James Purrington, you kooky cat. So nobody did anything about it, about the kitty. So he killed his entire family oh, in okay. Bow, this can't be a real place, Bowdoinham. Bowdenham? <laughs> well, but this is how it's spelled before everyone judges me. B-O-W-D-O-I-N-H-A-M. Bowdenham is, that's it? Bowdenham. But it looks like Bowdenham. <laughs> Bowdenham. There is also um, an, an Ivy League school in Brunswick, Maine called Bowden College. Bowden? Is Bo- it Bowden spelled University. the same? Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure is. furious. Bowden. I'm about to snap like James Purrington. Bowden like James Purrington. So in like, Bowdown ham. <laughs> no, in Bowden ham. James Purrington, but James his Purrington. friends called him Whiskers. Did you get any of the Ogunquits <laughs> that like we've got some weird smell. But yeah. his friends called him Whiskers. <laughs> Even in uh, Massachusetts, Worcester. Yep, Worcester. 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 My mom lives in, in Waltham, which I don't know why, but that has always been a weird word for me to say. Waltham. Waltham. And it's W-A-L-T-H-A-M. Mm. And I always want to overpronounce Waltham. it. And be like, Waltham. Waltham. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels nope. right. What's so, Whiskers up to? So on a hot summer night in July 1806, Harrington <laughs> killed seven, so seven of his eight Wait, children. Wait, seven? He had eight children. So he's children. number one. Oh, yeah. Nobody counts him for whatever reason. Literally yeah. every website was like, these are the two front runners. Mm. That's Is it just true. He time killed period? seven. Well, he killed seven of his eight children and his wife. So eight. He killed eight, eight people. Yeah, why doesn't anybody count the kitty? I don't know, but Wilder's upset about it. Wilder's just as pissed as us. Maybe people are just considering like this century. Right. I don't know. But when you said it was a hot summer night, I immediately thought of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Because we were talking, I feel like a cat on a hot tin roof. Also not about a cat. (laughs) No. No. Yeah, it has nothing to do with a cat either. So on a hot summer night, cat on a hot tin roof, Perrington. We're just really going off the rails. Yeah, hello. He He killed killed seven of his eight children and his wife with an axe before slicing his own throat with a straight razor. Mm. One of his children did survive with just a few injuries and ended up living with the neighbors after this murder. Probably never recovered. But again, who looked into mental health? So this kid probably lived a very difficult life. The Purrington family was all buried in a mass unmarked grave in Mount Vernon Cemetery, Mm. which we discussed earlier. And James is apparently buried alone under part of a roadway along with his razor and his axe, which I'm like, someone buried him with his murder materials? That feels so, it's almost like they're glorifying it. Yeah, it almost seems like like a slap in the face. It's like, hey, your whole family gets to be in this cemetery you get your axe and your fucking straight razor, and we're going to bury you by the side of the Under road. A street, yeah. I also don't want to drive on that road. I know. Also, no. You know he's going to pop out of that road. What if he's the overall man? I don't know that he was a farmer. No. <laughs> he's the overall that's man. That's nowhere near Mount Vernon. Thank God. Thank the good Lord. So that's James Purrington. Yeah, who does hold the record? Literally, three different websites were like, want to see the two worst men ever? This guy's the champ. Yeah, I wonder if that's just because it is modern. Yeah, more recent. Who's really thinking recent. about 1806? Right. Weird. And then I have one more honorable, dishonorable mention. Again, from 2006. Not a great year. What is going on in Maine? But I thought this guy was no. interesting because he was trying to be a vigilante. Mm-hmm. He wrote down the names and addresses. His name, sorry, Stephen A. Marshall is his name. In 2006, he wrote down the names and addresses of 29 Maine sex offenders from the registry, and he borrowed a gun from his father and went to Holton, H-O-U-L-T-O-N. Sounds right. He went to Holton. (laughs) Actually, sorry. He went to Holton to borrow the gun, and then he traveled to Milo. Nope. I know none of these places. All right. They're probably all fake. (laughs) No, they just might be up more north, because anything that isn't coastal, I'm definitely not as familiar. you have never seen. 
So he then traveled to Milo and killed 57-year-old Joseph Gray and 24-year-old William Elliot. And William Elliot lived in Corinth, so he went to a couple places, killed them both with the gun, and then was trying to flee from the state on a bus, but police found him, apprehended him. They were in a standoff, and he shot himself before he could actually be officially arrested. So... He clearly was very disturbed if he was willing to off himself, but he also had this strange need to want to kill sex offenders, which makes me wonder what his life was all about. But I could not find any history other than his father has a gun in Holton. That was anything I could find on his How many people did he end up killing? Only those two before he was apprehended. Yeah, because word was traveling fast. He wasn't trying to cover his tracks. It was sort of just like, boom, boom. I'm going to kill as many as I can. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, I'm going to try and get through this list. And then I'm going to hop on a bus and try to flee. But once he realized he was being followed, he was looked like he was trying to get out of the state. But then they were in a standoff and he took his own life, I guess, figured he couldn't get much further. But I thought that one was interesting that he was trying to do what he thought was a good deed. That's a tough one because you can be put on the sex offenders registry for like peeing, peeing in public, peeing in public yeah. so or it's like, I wonder if he looked at what they I was going to say. Well, yeah. Finding that, out. But I don't think that you I mean, you have to have access to police records, don't you? Or can you find no, that you out? Find really? On the sex offender list, it says it'll say like well. sex with a minor or yeah. well, in the same thing, though, sex with a minor. You could have literally been like when I was. Uh, 17, I had a 20-year-old boyfriend, which is say, gross now much to of think about. Distance. It's so gross. But at the time, like, we had gone to high school together. Right, right. It wasn't like this crazy thing. We had gone to high school together. He graduated. He was out of high school. I was, you know, finishing high school. Right. And it was just sort of like if... I had if my parents had, like, pressed charges on him, which they never would, but if they had, he would have he been... Would've sex with a minor wouldn't yeah. have said the minor was 17 when he was that's 20 true. it's not that much of an age gap no. so it's not that so that's crazy, a tough one because it it's tough. like you don't know like what they did exactly but it's also not a tough one because it's like just kill him right <laughs> like let's just do this that second one yep yep yeah. that second one but just do it just, just do, it. do it i don't care so <laughs> this guy definitely had some demons but it's just it's a weird twist of events to be like he thought he was doing something good clearly but yeah so that's Stephen A. Marshall and that was 2006 too yep a lot lot of things have happened recently that was kind of what I was finding it was like these one-off most of them were one-offs I tried to find the ones that were more than one but like 2006 2010 they were kind of all recently or in the 90s so wild so something's Rotten in Maine. <laughs> There's some in 2006. In 2006, in 2006 only in Denmark, Maine. <laughs> um. All right. And those well, those are my murdery stories. I've got a my I I delve into some murders as well, but we'll talk about enough. some monsters. Woo! First of all, thank you for those nightmares. Sorry about it. I know. It always goes a little too dark. <laughs> and I feel worse because I'm always holding my child. Every time. In both, both cases, I've been feeding my child. Wilder, I'm so sorry. I do feel like he hears your me. voice and he's like, ma, 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 yeah. ma, ma. Like he, he just seriously gets antsy yeah. the gets moment antsy. it's my turn. Yeah. And then he snoozes through everyone else. Yeah, he's I'm already like, Why? So Yeah, now he's passed out. He's so happy. <laughs> he's very content right now. He's like, Mom I wanted just to participate in the murder. <laughs> 
Now I'm going to go to bed. No, I do love sleep. I also bottle. that as soon as we started complaining about James Purrington not getting the recognition he deserved, <laughs> Wilder was like, ah, <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> so Maine, like every other state, has a long list of cryptid sightings. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. A lot of them in Maine are, there's not like very specific ones really. A lot of them are like, a guy saw a big snake once or... <laughs> Native American legends that have lived to see the light of 2019. There's actually a surprisingly a, a very large amount of Native American legends in Maine. Mm. Uh, but there are a few people who have had some pretty scary run-ins with creatures in Maine that are worth sharing. Also, the International Cryptozoology Museum is located in Portland, Maine. It yes. is. Yes. Let's go. More of a reason to go. I know. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Can that run... be a keep it weird field? Yeah, 100%. Weird fun fact about animals and people yelling outside. Um, <laughs> it's like being Maine attacked. is also the only state that had a dead animal on their license plate and PETA fought them no about way. it. Because we have, we've had a lobster on the license plate forever, but it's a red lobster. And lobsters only turn red once when they've been cooked. Oh, oh my, my God. Hey, can PETA just take can a seat? Can they relax? Can you for take one a fucking second? seat, PETA? <laughs> yeah. That I'm is so, so sick of PETA. Over the top. <laughs> you're so extra, PETA. Red so lobster, they changed the coloring. You're basic and you're extra. So they changed the coloring. I can't. That makes it better. We like our lobsters live in Maine. Just kidding. We eat them. We like to eat them. Sorry. But also there's a lot of live monsters in Maine. Monsters? Lobsters. <laughs> monsters <Both>? and lobsters. <laughs> the International Cryptozoology Museum is located in Portland, Maine. It's run by a man named Loren Coleman. Ooh. And he actually started studying cryptozoology in 1960. Wow. The museum is full of specimens, replicas, artifacts, and evidence relating to famous and even lesser known cryptids. How have I never been there? No, I'm like, Kate, you gotta go. We got, it can looks we, great. Can, it's in Portland, Maine. Trip. Go field, there. Field trip. You know, can all three of us just go as a field trip? Yeah, please? I've got And then we'll visit money. some of your fam on the way. <laughs> they're, they're cool kids. <laughs> Want to hear more stories? They got lots. We could go to the Cryptozoology Museum and go camping at the scariest Swan place Island. in the world. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and skip the camping trip. Oh, okay, bye. bye. See we'll go without you. Okay. I'm sure Joe will be down. Just kidding. He will Lies. So he, Loren, actually, he is really cool. He, like us here at Keep It Weird, believes that cryptozoology is kind of a gateway science. Mm -hmm. Cryptozoology sparks the interest in exploring and discovering new species or new ways of looking at things like uh, multidimensional theories and evolution, etc., as opposed to just being like, Bigfoot's real. Right. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So he's very cool. Like it. So, um, as for actual monsters in Maine, there's a famous one, Cassie, the river monster. Oh, I have heard of this. Yes. Yep. Cassie. I actually had heard of Cassie too. And like, why? But yeah. Cassie. Yeah. And oh, when I was in Maine, God, I wish have I we remembered the about town. Cassie before? I don't know. Or I maybe I've just heard of We might have brought her up when we were talking we about were, like sea she's creatures. She's similar to Nessie? Yeah, okay. a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. long neck. Well, she's more of a serpent than a ah, dinosaur, okay. but okay. yeah. Sorry, continue. I do remember, <clears throat> sorry, um, <laughs> when I was in Maine, and I again, I don't remember where I was the whole time. I was just like, Maine, 
Uh, but I do remember seeing a sign with like a sea serpent on it. Mm. Right. And it was supposed to be like Cassie. Because I saw the picture today. Anyways. <laughs> so Cassie the River Monster famously seen in 1779 by Edward Preble, who described it as a 100 foot long serpent and as thick as a barrel. So no thanks. Okay. Yikes. Said that it raised its head 10 feet out of the water with with his long neck before going back under and swimming away. I don't want it. No. And Edward Preble went on to be a Navy war hero, so much so that there are six ships of the U.S. Navy named USS Preble. There's Preble Hall, which is a museum at the United States Naval Academy. Several streets, counties, and townships are named after him in Ohio, Maine, Washington, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Wisconsin, New York. I only mention this because I like to give credibility to people who have witnessed things like monsters and cryptids mm-hmm. as opposed to just a guy who's like I seen it yeah. <laughs> like with three teeth I who's like it, it was the biggest snake in the world <laughs> so he's like a legit guy who went on to be like a US Navy hero who recounted this story but yeah she's been seen by multiple sailors boats full of people and a ton of anonymous reports which always strikes me because if they're doing if they're saying something like this for attention then they show up with like mm-hmm. their address their routing number a headshot yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like they're like you want to interview me you great you want to interview yes. me awesome yeah. but ready. most of the reports have been anonymous reports saying oh. like uh, like this one woman I wonder if I wrote this down um no, I didn't. But this one woman basically reported it to the most recent sighting, which I, it was like 1997. So it's been a while. But she reported it to like a national like museum in Maine. Wow. And she said it looked like the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. But Lauren, you don't have to freak out because it seems like Cassie is a nice monster. Oh, good. Something from the water is kind. Yes. For once. <laughs> Like I said, like there's been sightings since the 1700s and there's zero attacks that have ever been reported. Um, It almost seems like she kind of pops up to observe and she goes back down and swims away. And she doesn't like it because ocean or river. um, I uh, it says river monster, but I think it's ocean. It might be. I mean, there's rivers, too. Yeah, but I I think she's ocean. I think I put river monster, but I don't think she's a river monster. Because I have a river monster. But I think she's ocean. Ocean monster. But she's, uh, yeah, she kind of, like, there was one account of uh, this boat of sailors that, like, saw her and freaked out and were, like, honking. I say her because his name's Cassie, but we don't know. And uh, she literally, like, scurried away. But they said she was, like, 80 feet long. So she definitely seems like she's just chilling. There's also a lot. Good for her. (laughs) There's also a ton of Bigfoot activity in Maine. Yay! Today, Bigfoot (laughs) sightings are reported all of the time up there. In the 1800s, there was an account of a trapper who was ripped apart by a creature. And some people suspected it was a mountain lion or bear, but the trapper's body had been beaten against a tree. So something Whoa. took something his body and, and slammed. slammed him against the tree I mean, multiple it's for times. Sure, and, like, Bigfoot. There's no other answer. <laughs> it's I won't accept it. Bigfoot or like Andre the Giant? Yep. What was this? 1800s. Okay, it wasn't Andre the Giant. Not Andre. In 1895, two women and three boys picking blueberries, because Maine, (laughs) saw a bipedal creature that, according to them, looked like a big monkey. In 1942, two sisters were fishing in a lake when 
two hair-covered giants stole their fish, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> stole their fish. I love that. Um, in the 70s, they had what was known as what like people started calling the, the Durham gorilla sightings. Ugh. First one, a group of kids were riding their bikes past a large cemetery when they saw a creature <laughs> with a monkey face running through the cemetery. They then told their mom about the encounter, and the very next day, of course, she was like, okay, okay go, go to sleep. Away now. The very next day, she saw a creature in the same area on the side of the road before it dashed into the woods, and she said it was hairy, it was bent over, it ran on four legs, and sometimes got up on two legs. Nope. Dozens of local and state Gross. police officers and sheriff's deputies came to the Durham area over the next few days because calls from frightened residents were pouring in because they were seeing this giant ape. Like all at the same time. All at the same time. Whoa. like. As quickly as it appeared, it disappeared. But a lot of people think it was a lost young Bigfoot who wandered too far from its pack. Is he just looking for mama? I think he was just lost. Poor guy. So my main story today is a lot to handle. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, I prepped us for that, so (laughs) we're we're ready. Just because it curses, murders, monsters... It has everything. Like it has everything. everything. It's pretty. What a tale! What a tale! <laughs> Can't wait. So, and there are things I won't pronounce right. Oh, this <laughs> is what when I got here today, Ashley was like, "I have like four things I don't know how to pronounce." But we're you can try. just eat it. I will try to help as much <laughs> as I can. These are like um, Native American words, mm-hmm. so I'm like, I, have I know a fair few of them. Just Good. Okay. From Maybe like the towns and stuff. Helpful. There. Maybe. Yeah. So we got a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize. A lot. But- yeah. I didn't. I actually didn't realize either for w- when I was younger, how many of the words I was saying or towns that I would drive through right. were Native American words, oh, yeah. Native American origin. It's yeah. the same with uh, uh, Southern Illinois. I went to Kaskaskia College, which is what? on the Kaskaskia <laughs> River. I didn't. You yeah. don't Kask- think of that. And then the all name. of a sudden you're like Kaskaskia. I say Native uh, American. Okay. I got you. Type. <laughs> so. It starts with Squandro, and Squandro was the chief of the Sokikis tribe in 1675, which was an American Indian tribe that lived near the Saco River in Saco. Maine. Saco. Yep. Really? Yep. Saco sounded so much better in nope. my head. Saco. Yeah. Why did I even look up any of the- <laughs> Why did I do this homework? <laughs> Sacco and Bodenham. Pissed about them both. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Squandro had gained a lot of respect among white people because his tribe lived in peace with white settlers for almost 50 years. And it doesn't hurt that he once rescued a young white girl who had been taken in like a siege, like him and his tribe rescued her, cared for her and then delivered her back to the white people. Because natives are wonderful and white people are yes. garbage yeah white so so immediately cool. the white people were like oh maybe we shouldn't be awful be to awful them. to these people Ugh. because they saved this young white girl well, well that is just kidding yeah just kidding jk yeah. we're the worst well the, the, the white worst. settlers were actually uh in this area were pretty wonderful okay. with the native americans because i mean aside from being like super christian and wanting to like convert, convert them, everybody to everything they weren't malicious or violent okay. towards them it's a plus 
as opposed to the later settlers who, or the the later kind of like explorers and traders that started coming. Because the first people that like- came were coming to like find new land and mm-hmm. and have a certain sort of freedom, especially like a religious freedom. And their biggest problem was again trying to convert Native Americans to christianity which like mind your own business but yeah it was the second swell of white people that came over that wanted to trade or wanted to enslave enslave that were pretty awful and in the summer of 1675 three sailors from an english ship that was anchored at the mount of the sacco river departed by rowboat approaching the native americans retreat when the sailors saw a pregnant woman who happened to be Squandro's wife and his infant son, Manewe, and they decided to test a European belief that an Indian baby can dog paddle upon birth like animals can. So they attacked the two Native Americans. They threw Squandro's infant son into the Sacco River in front of the mother, and the infant sank did not swim and the mother dove in to retrieve him but the infant died soon after and Squandro's pregnant wife died too but it's not stated in like how she did like Mm. if she died in the water did she die due to complications afterwards with the pregnancy did she kill herself like I don't know but he lost all three his child his wife and the child that was with him so sad so after Squandro was done mourning which was like four days because they didn't have time for that uh he flew into a fit of rage and he is said to have cursed the river saying that the river would claim three lives a year until all white men fled its banks three lives a year to replace the three lives that were lost that day okay this actually the curse not like the murder of his family but the curse ignited a violence between the tribe and the white settlers that led to the very first blow in king philip's war when squander actually convinced slash influenced a band of androscoggins Mm -hmm. thank you to attack Mm -hmm. white sacco settlers okay so that was like the begin that was like the first part of that war that happened the first native american war essentially wow so of course you know anytime it we've seen parks and rec anytime a native (laughs) american's like i put a curse on this land it's like huh all the white people are like whoa (laughs) wait no please no (laughs) please no there's no escaping that the first go back in time can we go back and talk? Okay. Can we uh, take Ready? back what we said? Not be assholes. Cool. The first reported accusation of the curse after the fact was when the York family arrived. Uh, the York family moved to Sacco, Maine and built a house on the tiny half acre island overlooking a huge waterfall where the Sacco River dumps into the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. And they named the place York Manor of York Hill because mm. white people. Yep. And... <laughs> The house was said to be built on the exact location where the sailors stood as they threw the baby in the water. Oh, no. The family was warned by everyone in the area not to build their house on that spot, but they did anyway. Now, not much is known about what happened in the house, but the house still stands, but it was moved. They disassembled the entire house about 100 or so years later and moved the whole house and rebuilt it. And uh, the family never said why, but I'm pr- we all know why. Yeah, we, they did that. 
curse. Yeah, I guarantee. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. Because they the were either having like the worst luck in history, or that shit was haunted as hell. Yeah. Like, why would you literally disassemble piece by piece house. disassemble your entire house just to rebuild it? No. somewhere else because Some you didn't like this beautiful down. view yeah no no <laughs> as recently as 1947 residents of the area would not go near the Saco river's waters until at least three people had drowned each summer no. because they believed huh. in the curse so much they were like, it wasn't until after three. three people drowned that people would like they're like okay we're gonna save yeah we're, safe. we're, we can we're go. good we're fine that is, is crazy super morbid <laughs> oh my gosh during that time at 1947 or 1948 a year passed with no drownings and the main sunday telegram proclaimed that the curse was broken with the headline sacco river outlives curse of indian chief however local no, belief no. holds strong <laughs> no, to this no. day because of how many people have died in the river it's a big one it's a big river. Mm-hmm. It's, it's big huge. River. Yeah, yeah, it's long. It's and also, one. the river itself does have a extremely strong undertow. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, because it's because pushing it's so out. Narrow. T- well, and it's pushing out to the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, like it funnels straight into saltwater. Yeah, yeah. And it, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what like an undertow is, it's like the undercurrent. So, like the surface of the water looks semi calm. Calm. But the bottom, like the bed of the water, yeah. is moving much faster. Yeah. And so even in the shallow waters, people will stand in like a foot of water and can get swept away. Mm-hmm. So it is a dangerous river. Very dangerous. Regardless of a curse. Um, <clears throat> however, <laughs> okay, this is where we get into the monsters. I strayed a little bit. But up until the 1970s, There have been sightings of a creature that lives around the river. He's known as the white monkey. He has a human-like appearance, but is very pale and has webbed hands and an almost amphibian-like texture of skin. Why? Hmm. There does seem to be legends and lore from the Sokiki's tribes of a river monster that they either depending on which historian you speak to, worshipped or lived peacefully alongside, which, just as an aside, I think that a lot of the times with Native peoples, we can say things like, they worship the sun, when really they just had like a great respect for the sun. Yes, right. Yeah. It's not worship. It's not worship. No. Like, I think people sort of make it seem like uh, primitive or like even stupid mm-hmm. to be like, they worship the sun because they didn't know what it was. It's like, yeah. no, they just had, res- they just knew what it could do to right. us. They knew how powerful And how was. much they needed it. So yeah. they had respect for it. That's right. So I think that's kind of what they felt about this like entity that they thought lived near this river mm-hmm. is it was more of a like mutual it was like a respect give it it's a like, wide hey, birth. yeah we won't you're there we're here it's cool it's fine yeah, yeah. because you we're live good. there yeah yeah and we're not white uh-huh so we won't just take your shit so native americans considered this creature to be a may which is a type of river spirit that's known as a trickster not like evil but someone that will like kind of lead your boat astray or like steal things like loki like loki exactly <laughs> nice. yeah 
like not evil just kind of <laughs> like perfect. a trickster but if you brought it gifts like tobacco or whatever it needed then it would help you instead of like trick you mm-hmm. so it's not like an evil like some people say it was like a demonic thing it's not yeah it's just kind of a trickster uh, in some traditions, actual actually, the Meimeguesi can only be seen by children or medicine people, hmm. which is mm-hmm. basically like people with the shining. Okay. Right. Which is very cool. Yeah. So there have been sightings of this creature dating back to the 1500s. So it definitely doesn't seem like the creature was created by the curse, mm-hmm. but it seems like the legends have kind of like melded together. Huh. So some people believe that this white monkey creature is what drowns people in the lake. But most people think that the two are completely separate. And this innocent white slimy man is just living in the wrong place at the wrong time. It yeah. just happens to be like, oh, great. my Yeah. <laughs> For a very long time. <laughs> but it's also interesting to note that the French locals call him Etoile, which mm-hmm. means man from the stars or from the stars. Mm-hmm. Okay. So extraterrestrial. Could be. In some way. Little alien action. Back to the curse of the river. Not only have there been crazy amounts of drownings. I mean, literally the year that there were zero drownings, that was like front page of the newspaper worthy. They're like, how did no one one die? There's also been an alarmingly high rate of murders along the river. Which, like I said, it's a very long river, but this is like sort of generalized in Sacco. Some very tragic. This one I actually just wanted to talk about because it interested me. The murder of Mary Bean. (gasps) Related to LL? LL Bean? I don't think so. No, because Mary Bean was actually a pseudonym, like an alias that she used, and I'll tell you why. Oh, weird. So beginning in the 1830s, Mill managers recruited young women to leave their homes and work in factories. Young women in their late teens and early 20s comprised the majority of the labor force uh, in textile mills. Mm -hmm. And what would happen is the women were housed in like company owned boarding houses because they were on their own, but they weren't married. They were single. So they would be living with usually a widow who would like run the boarding house. Like and a marm. Exactly. And they would have curfews and they would, you know what I mean? It was very, very strict, but it was all for their safety. They right. were away from home for the first time. Right. So a young woman named, and this is the name that I said earlier that I was like, I'll never You're remember like, how to say this. Berengara Caswell? Berengara right? Caswell. Bagheera Caswell. Yep. Along we'll believe her- you. We'll say B. Caswell. B. Caswell. A woman named B. Caswell, along with her two sisters, came to work in a mill in New Hampshire. And in the summer of 1849, she met a young machine operator named William Long. And they got intimate with each other. Um, William Long actually got fired. And by November of 1849, it was very clear that B. was pregnant. Mm. And she, so she traveled to his hometown to find him to hopefully get married so that she didn't have to be forever shamed with an illegitimate child. Her life would be over. She would be trash. Uh, William asked his new mill manager for advice and the manager suggested abortion, which was something that wasn't usually said out loud, even though at the time it was totally legal. It was legal. Abortion was legal. It was. It was just shameful. This was 1849. But there was just shame throughout, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. People just didn't talk about it. No, the thing was, is it was shame for 
an unmarried woman. Okay. But, but if not for a married, married yeah, woman were to it was do like it. it was legal, Weird. which okay. That's I can't even handle that right now. Yep. But so he suggested abortion. He gave him the name of Dr. James Smith, which was who was a Sacco physician who practiced from his home. And B. Caswell created the alias Mary Bean and was treated by Dr. Smith herbally at first, but that didn't work. So, which in today's terms would be like taking the abortion pill. Right. Uh, when you're not far along enough to need surgery. Mm-hmm. But that didn't work. So in December, he attempted a dangerous surgical procedure that left her horribly infected and we didn't have antibiotics in 1849. So she ended up dying a week later. Man. So she had to be like six or seven months pregnant when yeah. she had this abortion. Wow. She was desperate. Can you imagine? So, I can't imagine. Like I said, it was totally legal in 1849. But even though it was legal to have abortions, her death was still considered a crime. Probably malpractice. I don't yeah. know exactly what the laws were against. I'm pretty sure they had a law. So, you know, now there's a heartbeat law. Right. I'm pretty sure back then, because we didn't really have ways to, what are my bangs doing? <laughs> we didn't really have ways to like measure a heartbeat necessarily, but basically it was when the woman could feel the child inside of her you moving. Could feel the movement, but that's that, far along. Mm-hmm, that yeah. was the cutoff. Okay. Yeah. I was like, please say that wasn't like, oh, we're still good. No. That would be That was so like, if you felt the child awful. move, then you. That could would, not have an abortion. Right. Hey, the, that same, makes sense. the thing is, is like women could just be like, I haven't felt anything. That's, yeah, it's easy to Especially lie. Especially then, like there's no, there's no early detection tests that you can take. Like, Especially then. Now, at least, we can be like, well, my cycle is supposed to start on yes, Tuesday exactly. because I take these pills. Yeah. And so it hasn't started. I need to take a test. But back yep. then, it's like, oh, well, especially if you were young and malnourished in any way, mm-hmm. you might not know until you're six months pregnant. I was going to say, you're not necessarily <laughs> like, showing yeah. at yeah. all until you feel that movement. You're like, oh, shit, there might oh, be hello. a Well, yeah. And there. if you're young and, and, you may not even know how to create yeah. a child. Yeah. Like right. you may not you may know not that that particular that. act. That's true. Too. Is what does it creates a child. Yeah. True. Because be a complete surprise. sex ed- education was not a thing, a thing. either. No. You just kind of like, found I can out. have a human in me. What? Right. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's how that. Oh, that's how that works. It's not kissing. <laughs> so her death was still a crime, probably malpractice. But there was apparently public suspicion already by Smith's practice because it was rumored that Smith wasn't his real name and that he had had a shady past. And he was already investigated once before in the murder of a businessman and tax collector four years earlier. Shady. So the doctor attempted to conceal her death by tying her to a board and placing her in the Sacco River. Oh, good plan. (laughs) Good plan. Uh, I can't. In April of the next year, her body was discovered and Smith was charged with murder. And it was actually kind of cool how they solved the crime. Uh, Cool, like in a CSI type way, basically. She was recognized as the woman who had been seen living with Smith. Mm -hmm. But the board she was tied to had the same pattern that was um, the wood on his barn. Hashtag forensic file. Right? And they went there. (laughs) Amazing. I know. And they went there and the board was missing. So they were able to say, like, at least it came from your body. Good job, investigators. 
them very I thought that was amazing. That I was like, huh? For that time, like, yeah. go Yeah, because the em. thing is, is they could have just been like, dead woman. Meh. Nah. We're good. Yeah. If there's no family crying over it, right. then So proud fine. of that team, you know? So proud of that team, you know? <laughs> And actually, this is just a little note. The AMA actually used cases like this one to revise the abortion law in the 1950s, making it illegal until Roe versus Wade in 1973. So, huh. other that was just one of the murders that I was like totally fascinated with That's because very it was so, there was all kinds of like mythos around it. Like what led me to this murder? This was like what actually happened. But what led me to it was uh, kind of one website said that there was this guy who performed abortions and then would go and kill the women that he knew had abortions because he was anti I, I don't really understand what they were getting at but he was they tried to make him out to be a serial killer okay he was not when really it was just poor medical practice exactly right? with no antibiotics yeah, yeah. So, late-term abortions yeah late-term yeah. abortions no antibiotics and then like instead of just being like she died in surgery strapping her to a yeah, board he and he throwing her in the river he just wow. he made a bad choice other murders alongside or in the Saco River included an Olympic swimmer drowning, a tourist who got in an argument with a girlfriend and another lady companion who was also his girlfriend, his two girlfriends, uh, and he ended, up drama. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up drama. killing both of them oh, and throwing them in the river. In 2010, two families, 10 people total, vanished when one car went out of control hit the other car, and both cars went sailing off the bridge into the river. Oof, In 2014, five more victims. A man shot his entire family to death, including himself camping alongside the river. So, I don't know. Steer clear of the Sacco River. <laughs> like, yeah, just no, to be just safe. Don't go near Here's the, the river just I in know case. it's beautiful. Yeah. Just... But you might die. There's other There's rivers. There's so many other rivers. There, go to fine. a different river. The You're going to be okay. rivers... <laughs> Tiny streams. Less cursed rivers. <laughs> rivers without curses. Rivers without sans curses. Rivers with sans different curses. curses. So that was all with the, the cryptids, but I do have a couple other weird things that I wanted to share with you very quickly. Um, this one's for Lauren, actually. I hate when she says that. No, you'll like this. Oh, I'll like it. Because I think you like this movie. I'm not sure. <laughs> what if it's a movie Andre? I've never seen? Andre? Don't you like Andre the Seal? The Seal? No. What? I've I could have seen it, but I don't I like have an attachment to it. There was a time that I that we brought up Andre, and you were like Andre. I mean, it's cute. Yeah, but you I don't, totally oh, did. Okay. Don't don't play with okay, me. Okay, right it's not an obsession of mine. <laughs> but yes, I mean, adorable film. <laughs> Andre Wilder likes it. Wilder loves it. Andre, okay, tell me about Andre. Was from Maine. The seal. Mm-hmm. Was from oh, Maine. Andre. I didn't know that. Now I'll have the moment. <laughs> seal. Andre the Seal, for anyone who hasn't seen the great movie that Lauren is obsessed My with. My favorite film. <laughs> he was born in Rockland in 1961 and was abandoned by his mom. But the Rockport Harbor master, Harry Goodridge, found him and took him in and raised him and taught him tricks. And he would perform for all the summer crowds. I love this. I think this is the sweetest thing ever. It has a really depressing ending, though. Sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> 
I'm like telling this story and then I give it away. Uh, During the winter, he was allowed to just roam free in the harbor. But after he capsized a few boats and made enough fishermen mad, they had to take him to the Boston and Connecticut aquariums for the winters. Mm -hmm. And then the spring, they would dump him in the ocean. I say that. That's mean. They would release him into the ocean and he would swim all the way back to Rockport every single summer to be with that family. And uh, scientists were and still are completely baffled. He lived with the Goodridge family until he died when he was 25 years old. 25. So sweet. The other thing I want to talk about is the Maine State Prison Showroom. Do you know about this? Maybe. This rules. So, (laughs) Tell uh, me more and I'll tell you. (laughs) It's an art museum called the Maine State Prison Showroom. Since the beginnings of Maine's prison system... Inmates have been kept busy with craft work. Oh. It started with wooden wagons uh, pressing license plates. By the way, did you guys know that like every license plate in the United States is made in prison? No. Yes. <laughs> I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. No They're way. made in prisons. Mm-hmm. They all are? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Shut much. Up. Pretty much any license plate the unless it's like you know. six years old. I don't where I heard that, but yeah. Yeah. I heard Fun it. Fun fact. I feel like I heard it recently. Anyways. I have no idea. Oh, it's sh- in Thomaston. Thomaston? Where's that? Yes. The main state prison is in Thomaston, Maine. It's pretty far up the coast, but it's still on the coast. Okay. Yeah. It's like mid, it's like mid, mid, mid coast, mid Maine. coast, Maine. Mid coast. Sure. Mid coast, Maine. Well, the showroom features crafts, furniture, and honestly, true works of art all made within this main state prison. They have artisanal puzzle boxes, intricate wooden ships, paintings of rustic cabins, birdhouses, you name it. And uh, one of the biggest items is a piece called Neptune's Ride, which is a life-size shirtless sea god riding a Harley Davidson <laughs> yeah, with a busty is. mermaid on the back. I need it. Right? The money made from the showroom is used to fund the program altogether. Um, they said we're not looking to turn a profit. We're looking to reinvest the money right back into the program and increase more jobs and more work opportunities for these people in this prison. The men's prison. This is all the men's prison. The women's prison makes things for the showroom as well, but it's like candles, soaps, stuff okay. like that. Hmm. So what's really cool about it is this is a job for them when they're in prison. They get yeah. paid, uh, you know, prison wages cents so it's like cents yeah. an hour but it's just like a job they go in they cl- they punch their clock they work on different projects throughout the day mm. and you know they get to send it off to actually be sold like in a store that's very in cool. the showroom yeah and like it's a huge spot for people to buy like trinkets they actually have it they're in on the joke like there's like anything that's prison themed in the showroom they say like Shawshank on it because of <laughs> Stephen King's story, like Love the fictional Shawshank prison. And um, one of the prisoners just said like, this is the longest job I've ever had. Uh, he worked there for like 14 months and he was like, this is the longest job I've ever had. Oh. So it's like important for their, their reintroduction Re- into yeah. society once they yeah. get out. I so anyways, that. That's awesome. I, like I love that. that. Yeah. Love that. Good ending. <laughs> 
So that's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. <laughs> Wilder note. needs to get to sleep. <laughs> Huge thank Sorry. you. Thank you so much, Miss Kate, for Thanks joining for us again back. today. Round two. Uh, round two. I love Better coming mics. to chat with you guys. <laughs> literally anytime. Um, we're yeah, seriously. Um, we love your Likewise. stories. Likewise. We love your obsessed. stories. <laughs> we love how open you are to the weird stuff do you have anything you want to plug do you have any like projects or just your instagram or Um, a website my instagram is kind of boring it's kate about town i think that's cute i think it's adorable but the well the name i like but the the instagram (laughs) itself is oh oh, the content content. I i work a lot so i don't post very frequently working on just normal producing stuff i mean I work for a bunch of different companies, so it's not anything crazy to plug. We did do a really fun short last year that gained a lot of traction called Relationship Deli. If anybody feels like checking that out. I watched it. It's really funny. (laughs) It's very short. It's only four minutes of your time, but it's very silly. We'll post it on our... um, Yeah, I was going to Keep it weird. I can't wait to watch. Yeah. So we're doing a kind of a series of them with different relationship situations. So we have a second one too called Pick a Chick Bar, <laughs> which is sort of the male version, but it's the same actresses with beards. I'm pumped. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it's called Pick a Chick Bar. Pick a Chick Bar. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. I'm into it. And as usual, thank you so much for listening to our show. We couldn't do it without your support. We love you. Be it sending us messages or commenting on our Instagram posts or donating to our Patreon or leaving us reviews on iTunes. You are all the best. We love you so much. Join us next time as we chat about weird food. The strangest things nice. eaten around the world, fun. the strangest places to eat around the world, conspiracy theories about what's going in our food, strange histories of foods, and so much more. Uh, and our guests and I will be traveling to a strange place in Los Angeles to eat and research the episode. So it should be a blast or the worst. I'm not sure. <laughs> or terrible. Follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast across all platforms. Check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash Keep It Weird Podcast to find ways to donate to the show and get monthly newsletters and bonus episodes. Uh, I've got a great newsletter coming out this week and Amy and I are recording your bonus episode on Thursday. So if you want to get in on this month's goodies, head there now. Kate, Lauren, what's our sign off this week? Why am I included? Oh, sorry. Kate, what's our sign off this week? (laughs) Yes, help me. (laughs) Don't murder people. Hey, that's hey, good. Hey, you know what? That's a good, that's that's good, a good advice. That's a good message for Don't always. murder in Maine. <laughs> Don't, Don't murder in Maine. <laughs> Don't murder in Maine. <laughs> no, no, no. This uh, uh, Tunket Chummy. Tunket yes, Chummy? Yeah, Tunket Chummy should definitely up. be the sign-off. Wait, you have to say it in, in the voice. Tunket Chummy. I keep it weird. Tunket Chummy. <laughs> I keep it real weird. It's a wicked good chowder. <laughs> we got really like, hey, keep hey, it weird. Hey, see? Keep it weird. See <laughs> how weird. April Ludgate talks. <laughs> yeah, so that was not the right dialect. Keep it weird. Goodbye. Bowdoinham. Bowdoinham? <laughs> Well, but this is how it's spelled before everyone judges me. <laughs> <laughs>